I've made a major breakthrough as a hockey fan. Um, when talking to my fiance, every once in a while, I'll grumble and she'll be like, what's wrong? And I'm like, Ugh, the Avs blew a third period lead again. And a couple of nights ago, I grumbled and she immediately was like, oh no, did the Avs blow another third period lead? And they did! So I'm spreading the gospel of hockey, and I just hope that you're proud of me, Derek. I'm, I'm very proud, and I always love when we can bring in the hockey fans at the lowest point, where you're <laughs> like, this team sucks. Why would anyone follow them? And then just, I mean, misery, as we've talked about, is, I think, a great entry into anything, and it's the most visceral experience. So I've got one convert waiting in the wings. Way to go. Well, welcome to the Denverse. I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. And we're recording this Thursday, just before noon, so uh, a lot's happened in the last week. It's been a very busy week. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess we'll just get into the seven-minute recap with a game that was much more exciting than I think we even thought when we previewed it last Wednesday. The Nuggets going into Dallas, beating the Mavericks 107-106. Uh, Jokic with 33 points, including the back-down game winner. Uh, he had 21 points in the third quarter, a career high. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doncic had 37 or 27, and another genius Michael Malone played in the game on the defensive side. I think this is an understated part of Malone so far, um, and really liked what he did. Um, he drew up a defensive stop where on the uh, Mavericks last shot attempt, they double teamed Doncic. 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 Don. Uh, I can't even say it. Luca. Luca. They double teamed Luca, the star <laughs> of the Mavericks. And uh, then they just, the Mavericks threw the ball away. Game over. It's yeah. the second time where a Malone play call on defense has won a game for the Nuggets. And uh, continuing the maddening streak of the Nuggets, losing an easy game to a bad team, only then to come back and win a big game against an important team. It was. I think that was, it was the most playoff game that we've gotten to see since, uh, I think, game five against Portland last year, in that you just didn't know who was going to pull it off, but no one was going to pull away, that both teams kept poking each other back, and um, deliciously we got to see Jokic um, make Luka cry on another buzzer beater. And also similar to that uh, Portland Game 5 game, Jokic did everything he needed to do to help them win the game, mm -hmm. which is, you know, what you're looking for from him. I know that we've really seen him excel in the last last month and a half. Last yeah, month. and he looked almost kind of fit. Uh, I think early in the broadcast, of course, the uneducated meme that Jokic is super fat, but... He just—I think—not only did he score 21 points in the third, it looked like he lost 21 pounds in the third, and it's just amazing that a dude you always talk about his conditioning—that he looks spry and in that last seven seconds as he was backing down a smaller dude to the rim, you knew he was going to hit it. Yeah, which, whew, that feels good as a fan, don't it? It really, and I mean, we have some more nuggets coming up, but. I think we've underappreciated how good they've been the last month because they've had some maddening losses mm -hmm. in there. But they have, I mean, they've won most of the games the last month, which has been a lot of fun. Um, on Thursday, uh, during the Thunder's 
takedown of the return of Russell Westbrook to Oklahoma City from Houston, where he was traded. Quite the Twitter spat took off, um, and Quinn and I are going to role-play that for you. Uh, this is from Kendrick Perkins, former center of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm going on thir- Oh, no, I did it wrong. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Wait, first, this, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the yeah. tongue, the tip of the tongue, <laughs> the teeth, the lips. Uh, Kendrick Perkins, Twitter, at Kendrick Perkins. In 30 minutes, I'm going to give my opinion on SportsCenter and why I believe that Russell Westbrook is the best player to have ever put on an Oklahoma City Thunder jersey. He is Mr. Thunder, with a lot of exclamation points. Uh, some random Boston, someone that worked for the Celtics, was like, what are you talking about? Kevin Durant is the best one all the, all the of all time. And then Kendrick Perkins was like, KD lost in the second round without Russ when I was there, so what does that mean? Which would then, one Kevin Durant steps in. Because whenever you say his name, he appears. <laughs> <laughs> the Slim Reaper out of the Twitter sphere hopped in and said, yeah, and I'll start in center at Kendrick Perkins, averaged a whopping two points and three rebounds during that series. You played hard, though, champ, LOL. To which Perkins responded, boy, stop. You did the weakest move in NBA history. Up on a team 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals and then go join them the following season. Heart of a champion right there. Weakest starting at center, playing real minutes with no production. Should have worked on your skills as much as I did. Oh, no, I got to click on this because they didn't get the best. The best tweet isn't in this article. Oh. Well, hold on. <laughs> Let me pull it up. The best part is this is still on Twitter. Okay, then Perkins said, that's fine. You worked that hard and still had to go join a 73-9 and team. Truth be told, you don't even feel like a real champ. You have hard time sleeping at night, huh? Knowing that you took the coward way out. Exclamation points. Oh, this has been a production of <laughs> the Denver's um, radio stories. That was, I mean, it was so ridiculous. And my real question was, why does Kevin Durant still have a Twitter? He's He had fake Twitter accounts for a while, and everyone found out it was him. That was an amazing saga, um, which thanks to, I think real journalism happens on Twitter, because the person that went around and found that, and then the burner accounts for the Phillies old GM, what I love about Twitter, and there's so many terrible things about it, is that you just get to see a real-world glimpse of these human beings. And so two dudes who are as accomplished as they need to be having basic-ass Twitter beef uh, for the world to see, <clears throat> just chef's kiss. Mwah. Uh, but yeah, it does raise a question. Kevin, why are you still doing this? Who is it benefiting? It's just hurting your own legacy. Like People are like... Clearly, he is still hurt. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on Twitter arguing with Kendrick Perkins, who hasn't played in years. Yeah, which, I mean, shout out to Kendrick Perkins. That was good bait. That's definitely, like, leaving out a big chunk of meat for the dragon to come out of the cave. And then, sure enough, we get to see the spectacle. Well, back here at home on Friday night, the Avs lost to the Penguins 4-3 in overtime. Guess what happened? The Avs blew a third-period lead. But uh, McCarr's shot was able to keep them in the game with 30 seconds left. They tied it back up. Um, another just, you know, one of those games where you're just upset to have even watched it because you knew it was going to happen. Another home game. 
I was thinking about this when I was watching the game that they're having tr trouble with their secondary scoring again. Um, this was true in the other game that happened on Monday night too, where McKinnon had two assists. They really need the reason that you need a second line to really be productive in the NHL is sort of the same reason that Von Miller needed Demarcus Ware, in that if you have someone else that the team has to focus on, they can't put all of their attention on you. Mm. And right now, they can put all of their attention on McKinnon. He's still beating them the way that if you try to double-team you know, the greats in the NBA, they can still beat you. But if there isn't another option, they can slow you down. And that's one of the problems that's happening with the Avalanche right now is that the rest of the scoring isn't as much of a threat as it was early in the year, and so it's making it hard, including on his own line. Like it's just like it feels like he's having to do it all. Well, yeah, because Rantanen hasn't come back to form yet. Yeah, he hasn't, and Makar really hasn't either. Like he had that good shot, but he has not been scoring like he was before he was injured. On Saturday, I believe you were in attendance for this one. <sighs> yep. Um. So Derek has had the rule that you don't go to Nuggets games against bad teams. Um, and so the early 2020 meme for the Avs is that they blow three uh, third-period leads, and for the Nuggets is that they lose to bad, bad teams. Um, and this was a special one because, like, we were going with a couple of friends. It was going to be fun. We ran into some other friends there. And sure enough, the Nuggets lost to the Cavaliers. Um Six loss to a team with less than 15 wins. And um, they also lost the two seed because of that game. It was it was evident pretty early on. It's like, wow, the Cavs are playing like they want to win. And the Nuggets are playing like they know they're going to win. And uh, their backcourt of Colin Sexton and... A dude, of course, wouldn't know it all because I'm not following Cleveland teams. Uh, Grant? No. Their their backcourt is nicknamed Sexland because Garland. Boom. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> the dudes look like I should have known who they were from the beginning because they look like marquee stars. Uh, Kevin Love, the old shambling ghost of Kevin Love, came in and looked dominant in the paint. And the Nuggets were able to close it. I think they actually got a two-point lead for a second in the towards the end of the third quarter and then just started bricking shots and taking terrible shots. Malik Beasley came in and looked like he was auditioning for Kevin Love <laughs> and just throwing up terrible, terrible looks. So, yeah, um, spreading Derek's gospel. Don't go to Nuggets games against bad teams. Your expectation is that they win, so you only meet your expectation. And you get to have those dashed because the Nuggets come out slow and uninterested. And also, I'd just like to note, it was country night at this game. And they brought in the mini horse Love Bug, which is a mini horse. I don't know if you saw it the game, all over TV. From where I was sitting, yeah. you could see Rocky walking, but you couldn't see the mini horse because it was too short. Well, Love Bug also came to the Avs game Monday night. So Love Bug is 0-2 and needs to stop attending Denver Sporting Oh, games. that's... Dang. Yeah, and country night was not so country. Um, the Nuggets, yo, I don't want to draw the ire of their production team, but they have had some very underwhelming halftime performances. And, like, I guess, like, kind of EDM country is a thing now. 
I don't know who these dudes were, but it you, wasn't. You heard Old Town Road. You knew <clears throat> this was the thing that was going to happen. I, Old Town Road was a masterpiece because it was standalone. It should not be a whole genre. Um, this, it looked like Pitbull doing country. Um, so, yeah, that Saturday, uh, terrible across the board. Besides a mini horse, I guess I couldn't even see. Um, yeah, it uh, it was frustrating, as it always is, when the Nuggets lose to uh, an inferior team at home. But it's pretty common. So, <laughs> um, Also, we'll get into the playoffs real quick. Uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens were bounced by Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans in just a dominating performance for a team that had a quarterback that only uh, threw for 89 yards in uh, Ryan Tannehill. Um, it was it was very surprising to see Jackson play that way. And the Broncos' connection to the Titans, of course, is Wesley Woodyard is still on their team. So that's exciting. The other game, which happened on Sunday, was the Chiefs had a historic comeback against the Texans. Uh, obviously, as Broncos fans, we were rooting hard against the Chiefs. And yeah. it was very exciting when they were down in the first quarter, 28 nothing. It was 24. Oh, 24 nothing. Because they opted for a field goal instead of. That's uh, right. It looked to... like they were going to, yeah. It was, that was frustrating because you just looked at the score and then the clock, and it just didn't feel. It was one of those where it was too good to be true. And we have firsthand experiences with this because we watched the. I was at the Minnesota Vikings Broncos game. And we're <sighs> like, if you score too much too early, it's bad. Yeah. Um, um, but I think for both of those games. Interesting to look at the the Broncos beat the Titans earlier in the year. I guess headed by Marcus Mariota, and not the they were the reasons they switched. Yeah, not the mediocre god that is Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> um, and the the Broncos beat the Texans and played the Chiefs more competitively for more quarters um, than it seems like anyone at this point. So. Yeah, I mean, they made it almost to the second quarter of that first game where they were still in it, which yeah. is basically what Houston did. So it was the biggest uh, second, it was the biggest first half comeback of all time. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Also on Sunday, the Nuggets in a back-to-back beat the Clippers 114-104. Um, there were a lot of interesting things about this game. I thought Gary Harris played very well. Like, this was one of his better games in a while. And it made me think about what is it that makes the Nuggets offense look good versus bad? And I really think it is Harris being able to move around on the floor. Yeah, totally. Um, if you think back to two years ago before Harris first got hurt, I feel like that was the best of the offense, even though the defense was terrible that year. They didn't make the playoffs because of their defense, but that was the offense we want to see. And I feel like maybe we're not seeing it as much because Harris has not been that guy for the last two years. Well, I mean, well, one thing, make note, Nuggets beat the Clippers. Clippers are not a below 500 team. <laughs> they are one of the best in the West. So, of course, the Nuggets had a convincing win against them. Um, but, but Harris has been, like, everyone loves to hate on Will Barton, and Will Barton has been playing great. No one wants to hate on Gary Harris, although he's had, um, by many accounts, like an abysmal offensive season so far. Uh, and as your shooting guard... Really, all that we want him to do on offense is score relatively well. Um, I'm thinking, like, he doesn't shoot a lot, but you need threes to go in more. And 
I think for him to get better into the shooting that he just has to attack the paint better. Um, but with so many scoring options on the floor, that hasn't been very easy for him. But really, yeah, a game if Gary Harris goes 5 of 9 in any game, I assume that the Nuggets win because that means other things are clicking as well. I think if Harris scores more, Murray is able to s- take better looks. Um, and he was just he was taking the ball up more, which just shows a confidence that you don't see with him a lot. Like Barton will do that a lot where Barton will be like, "We don't need to give this to Murray. I'm just going to keep it." Um, and he was do and Harris was doing that in that game where he was just like, I'm okay in facilitating. Sometimes. Yeah, and I think some of the silver linings that you see in Harris is that he is playmaking a little more. He doesn't have a very high usage rate um, in this offense, but he gets a couple of assists. So it's he has I think as a player who's now growing into his prime defensively, he's still been great. But he's seeing the floor more. I think the game is slowing for him, and the shots just aren't falling. I remember last season before he got hurt, he put up 28 against the Trailblazers in Portland, and we haven't seen that player in any way, shape, or form. And I think Harris scored 15 in the first half and then didn't score again. Um, and that's we can t- we'll can we talk about it more, but one thing that the Nuggets do is like they'll have one guy get hot in the first half, and then they don't go back to him in the second uh, that's like just Jamal Murray, the story. Yeah, you, I know. You can't have two good halves. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was good. They sort of blew the game late. Like, they were up, and then they got down, but they held on. And obviously, the Clippers are one of the teams they're fighting for for that number two spot right now, so it was a big win. Um, it was fun seeing Patrick Beverly be just an overall obnoxious human being. Um the weird way he was guarding Jokic on mismatches, like he'd put his head down and hands up like a Naruto run, and just he's so annoying. But he's the type of guy, like if he's on your team, you're like, yeah, go ahead, be weird <laughs> and aggressive. But on anyone else, it's like, kick him out, please. Yeah, I um, it's going to be an interesting playoff series if they end up playing each other because, I mean, obviously they have Kawhi Leonard, so it would be, you know, one of the couple where the Nuggets wouldn't have the best player on the floor. Mm-hmm. But I I do hope, you know, the hope is that the Nuggets have enough more guys than the Clippers, which I think, at least in that game, it looks like they do. Um, also in weird news, the Broncos fired offensive coordinator Rick Scangarello after they said they weren't going to fire him and hired former New York Giants head coach, Pat Schumer. Uh, Schumer's biggest claim to fame was that he turned Case Keenum around uh, and was the offensive coordinator for the miracle throw to, uh, what's his name? Diggs. Diggs, yeah. Yeah. Um, He's been around for a long time. He was the Browns head coach at one point. He was the interim head coach for Philadelphia. Uh, people were criticizing his offense in New York the last couple of years, but we all know that being just the offensive coordinator is different than being both. Mm-hmm. And so the hope is he's worked with some of the guys to rehabilitate their careers. And maybe apparently Vic Fangio and Rick Scangarello were not on the same page a lot. And Fangio should have all of his guys. Yeah. And I like the hire because Fangio being a defensive uh, coach need someone he can trust running offense. Uh, Scangarello was an interesting hire because he was a first-time dude. Um, Like Elway didn't go for another McVay guy for the head coach, but kind of tried to do that with Scangarello as the offensive coordinator. 
And, I mean, maybe it's not his fault. He's a new dude, and he had to coach three different quarterbacks, including an extremely disinterested Joe Flacco. But... He threw him under the bus. Yeah, totally. It's like, these are terrible play calls. And then he got... The football gods were like, you can't say that about Rick Scangarello. And he had hurt his neck and couldn't play anymore. <laughs> I, I don't I that was a random one because like there was nothing that you could point to in the game like oh that's where he hurt his neck all of a sudden it's like oh he can't play the rest of the season <laughs> um, but I, I like Shermer in the higher in that the guy seems to know offense pretty well um, and although the Giants they weren't going to be a good team anyway I think Daniel Jones looked pretty decent um, in his starts and so hopefully that good mojo can carry over to a Drew Locke who I think is a more confident quarterback and an offense that if you look at like some of the wins that they've had they're not that far away so a guy who can just like keep the ship together and add a few little accoutrements uh that would be red I'm I'm looking forward to it and you're right I was saying Schumer but it's Shermer yeah I I was gonna note that you pronounced Scangarello perfectly but then messed up Schumer Shermer uh, in what was the most one of the most impressive home wins I've ever seen the for the CU Buffaloes against a Pac-12 team they beat Utah 91 to 52 on Sunday afternoon Evan Batty had a double double and was just a huge force in the first half as the Buffs took a 22 point halftime lead and then just went off from there Wright had 16 points Tyler Bay had a double double it was as Tad Boyle said, I'll just quote him here, that was a complete performance by our team as we've had all year. It just shows what the ceiling of this team is going to be and what we're going to need as we go through this league. The team took a step forward tonight, and I'm really, really proud of them. I mean, it was... Utah is not like a walkover team. They're supposed to be a pretty good team. Maybe get in the tournament and see you just dominated them, which they never do, especially against the Utah caliber of opponent. (laughs) Utah caliber, that is great across the board. I think even in softball, that makes sense. <laughs> On Monday, Nolan Arenado trade rumors just continued to swirl with teams being interested, the Cardinals and the Rockies talking, and then people coming out and saying there's not going to be a trade. But who are those people? Because it wasn't Breidich, so No, it's basically it's just reporters fighting with each other. Mm, mm. Um, I will say, so on Monday, Jeff Passan was one of the people that broke the story about all of the Houston Astros suspensions. And then on Tuesday, he was like, Nolan's probably not going to get traded in spring training or before opening day. So he was just like flexing his muscles like, <laughs> I'm going to just show I'm a better reporter than everyone and just like steal the week. Yeah, good on him. That's to break like one of the biggest um, stories in baseball and then weighed down in the fray and be like, no, no, no. This is what's actually happening with Nolan. It's really interesting um, with Nolan that so much has happened, but he hasn't said anything, which he's not that type of player anyway. Uh, I'm really upset that, well, I'm happy that the Dodgers aren't in the running. But if you ask me, ask me what team besides the Dodgers do not want to see him suit up for, it's definitely the St. Louis freaking Cardinals. So, um disappointment abounds on the Rockies front especially because like the it was gonna be pitchers like yeah and established players what's the point of that like the only point is prospects like the only point is saying we're not gonna win this year there's no point in getting people that are like we're gonna try to like tread water this year 
Um, also, the WNBA uh, renegotiated their collective bargaining agreement with the players, and they got some big wins. Mm-hmm. S- salaries up to $500,000, which, of course, is the league minimum in a lot of leagues, but still, it's huge progress. <laughs> it's just like, it's so, it's so unfair that this is where we are with it. Also, maternity leave. Yeah, I think that is, Which, um, like, when we're talking about progressive politics, that's a huge uh, win for a sport that is, like, purely capitalistic in terms of, like, you get ba- get money based on what you're able to produce, but something that's, like, across the board, um, maternity leave. And how backwards were they? They suspended women for being pregnant. That was the term that they were using before this collective bargaining agreement. So this is just complete 360. Maternity suspension. Uh, that's a brand new phrase. But um, I find this important because I hope that... I mean, any news for the WNBA I think is good in terms of raising its profile. And the players consistently through like arguing with Facebook tier comments about blah, 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 no one wants to watch you pass the ball and not dunk. Um, they're not asking to be paid the same as their male counterparts. They just want an equal share of pay that the men get. And for me, I just want the league to grow because I think Denver, of all cities, deserves a WNBA team. Denver has every other sport. It's one of the handful of major markets that has all four of the major sports, but we also have lacrosse. Two teams. Two lacrosse. (laughs) If you have two lacrosse teams, you should have one WNBA team. Um, So please, Denver's followers, continue to bang the drum for me uh, in getting a WNBA team. Also, think about this. If they do trade Nolan, we're going to just be lonely in the summer with the Rockies. Right. We We need the WNBA. On Tuesday... I was in attendance for the Avs losing to the Stars 3-2 in overtime. As Quentin mentioned at the top of the show, they did, in fact, blow a third-period lead. Uh, the shots in this game were 43-30 in favor of the Avs, but they were actually 41-21, to and then the Avs only got two shots the rest of the game. That was with, like, seven minutes left. Uh, McKinnon had a turnover in the overtime that ended up giving up the goal. He also had two assists in this game. Uh, so they have lost six of their last seven home games. They have blown five third-period leads in the six losses. The only one they didn't blow was Winnipeg. Otherwise, they've blown a third-period lead in all of the other games. Okay, here, big brain time. Don't score in the first two periods, ass. You have to, like, major problems require major innovation. Just don't score, and then you can't blow the lead. I just want to see that happen once. The Avs have three more home games, and then they go on the All-Star break, and then they have their bye week, which is the thing now in the NHL. So they're not going to play for about 10 days after uh, Monday, March Luther King Day. Um, The hope here is that the Avs can figure out their defensive problems. The goaltending still needs to be better. Um, It's especially, I mean, Grubauer is not is really just not making the big saves he was better in this game obviously but uh he gave up three goals on 30 shots that's one every 10 shots um and he's just not making the big saves um so i don't know i do think the overreaction thing here even if it will not be what the las vegas knights did which was fire their coach uh, gallant even though they were in second place in the in the pacific division and had been to the stanley cup two years ago as an expansion team 
so that was crazy. But uh, yeah, I'm. I mean, it's just it's. I was at that game and I was just like so disappointed because not so much because of that game. You're gonna lose hockey games. It's because it's been going on for over a month of them doing this, and I just. I don't understand why they have to be bad in December and January every year. Uh, yeah. It's three years in a row where they've just fallen apart and then they've got to like work their way back up in March and April and February that month too. Um, but then uh, we got the treat of another great Nuggets game to talk about. Nuggets beat the Hornets 100-86. Boom, boom. One, uh, I think major curse breaker, Hornets, they're a bad team. Yes. I mean, that's it. They, yeah. They are a bad team. They're a bad team. <laughs> but the Nuggets were able to beat them. And 186, that's the uh, fewest points given up all season by the Nuggets, um, which even against the Spurs, I mean, pff, sorry, Clippers, they only allowed 104 points, which were a few closer to garbage time scores. Um, so hopefully the Nuggets, which started the season off with a great defense and then have been almost the worst since Christmas. Hopefully they're trying they're starting to find a better balance between the two. Um but not only did Porter Jr. have a great game. Yeah, and he had seventeen points in the first half, mm-hmm. most in the second quarter. Like it was basically just the Michael Porter Jr. show in the second quarter. Yeah, but we got a new guest star later in the game in one PJ Dozier. Undrafted. So the Nuggets found him and uh, have been keeping him in G League. He's looked really good there. And he can play point guard. He got to play a lot because Murray twisted his ankle and left the game. But it was fun to watch him play. 12 points, 5 of 7 shooting, and two three-pointers. And very confident in his three-pointers where he was looking around and just decided, sort of like Jokic does, that that was the best shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dozier is a really interesting um, prospect in that dude is big. He's like 6'6", looks more like... Like more of a Will Barton mold than a say Monte Morris, and and this was they were up by almost twenty points at the time, so you weren't seeing Charlotte's best. Um, but in they've got a back to back tonight. Murray, we haven't gotten an update on how bad his ankle is, but there's just no way that they're gonna play him. So I hope to see even more Dozier tonight. Well, and Harris and Millsap were already out. So the fact that they are playing this well and they're l- missing three three-fifths of their starters yeah. is pretty good. I the Dozier thing, I think is it shows a lot because the Nuggets continually find these guys. There was that guy in Summer League you liked uh that ended up signing with Toronto. What was uh, his name? Terrence Davis. They always find these guys. He's still playing, right? Too. Or I, he was for a while. He was. Uh, I think he was playing because uh, the Raptors had several people hurt. I don't think he's getting huge minutes, but I mean, it's always a great story when you go from summer league to being on a roster. But the thing is, the Nuggets keep finding these players, whether it's the summer league invites, the guys that they sign undrafted, the late round, the Monte Morrises, where they find the late round on Jokic, obviously, <laughs> guys. And then they hoard all of these assets. And I do think that at some point you have to either trust that you're going to be able to keep finding these guys or something and start upgrading some of these positions where you're just like, we have too many guys. Yeah. I, you uh, sent me a hot take saying, like, well, we can trade Morris because I had been not banging the drum, but I felt like no one was talking about trading Morris. And he's like a great piece, but I don't know if he's 
the right backup point guard for the Nuggets in the playoffs. Certainly can't say that Dozier is that person, but um, yeah, at some point, it, hopefully this will be great showcases for with people being hurt for Beasley, for Wancho, for Dozier, for Morris, um, Craig even. And at some point, it's kind of tough because I don't know if any of those guys, even all of them packaged together, make up enough to get a star, like someone's going to take the Nuggets to that next level. But uh, it's definitely the most talented bench in the league, I think. And, I mean, maybe they don't need a star upgrade, but they have made trades for Plumlee and Barton and those, like, smaller ones where you're like, the two combined are better than who you had before. Well, and shout-out to Mason Plumlee. Um, he and Barton last year, especially in the playoffs, were in the doghouse getting rid of them, but they've both played very solid um, this season, and Plumlee coming off the bench. He's actually played well with Jokic in the few minutes that they've had together. So, yeah, it's it's kind of hard because... I don't know who you replace who's like making a major impact through a trade, but we we just have too much talent, and that's going to be tough. Like if Dozier shows that he belongs in the NBA, do you bench Morris for him? And I just, I just don't. That's not uh, Malone's style anyway with giving no. young guys minutes. So we can't get him to give Porter minutes, and Porter keeps doing great things. Yeah, I know. Whew. Congratulations on your 2017 Tainted World Series, Houston. Uh, from from a podcast that never cheats. That's <laughs> yeah. it for the Denver's this week. I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. We'll see ya. Peace.